Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Today I'm going to have my friend Drew Hodgson, former NFL player, former Arizona State Sun Devil, on with me. And we start off talking about Tiger Woods. And let me say one thing, because I've listened to myself back from my radio show this morning. I think there are times when I've sounded a little bit cavalier or casual about Tiger Woods' car accident, and this is why. I expect him to come back. I've seen him make so many comebacks when everybody thought he was done, and because I've seen some pretty traumatic lower leg injuries be rehabbed and successfully come back from in basketball and football and what have you, I'm pretty optimistic that Tiger Woods, even at the age of 45, is going to come back. So don't think me a monster. I just think that Tiger is going to be just fine. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but we'll see. If you like the podcast and you don't think I'm a monster, go ahead and give us a five-star review and subscribe on iTunes. Other than that, just enjoy the show. Drew, I don't know if you're like me, but when you first saw the news that Tiger Woods was involved in a one-person accident last night in California, it's it's mm-hmm. fair, right? It's not out of bounds to say, oh boy, Tiger's had his share of issues with driving well under the influence of certain substances. And I, when I say certain substances, I'm not trying to be... Like, I'm, I, I can't remember which substances, because it's a bunch of different stuff. Did you yeah. think that maybe... Did you think <laughs> that maybe... Yeah. Yeah, Tiger, I mean, Tiger, it, it doesn't appear that he was intoxicated as far as when we're recording this. It sounds like it was no big deal. So then and the, the other thought is, oh, man, I hope he's I hope he's OK. Judging by if all you did was look at TV screens as you were walking through various lobbies and offices, you would have thought that Tiger Woods passed away. Turns out that he broke his leg pretty nastily. But, right. uh, yeah. but, but what's your what's your initial thought on all of this? Is Tiger Woods done? I hate asking that question because I feel like. I feel like that's been the topic du jour once every two years for the past 15 years. But now it's once again, is Tiger Woods finally done at the age of 45? Yeah, agreed. It's, it's always an exercise in patience anytime there's a Tiger Woods story. And, and it, what's, what's even more strange is that it's just the ongoing uh, meta dive into the coverage of every story that's major always. Yeah. So it's it's not even that, you know, oh, is he okay? Was he drunk? Was he not drunk? It's that we all have to watch it and then self-evaluate and make sure we aren't overreacting to the actual coverage itself before we even know what the facts are. So like as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, 
Am I knee-jerk overreacting to what he may or may not have even done? Like, we don't even know. Yeah, you, don't even, yeah. even, so, you can't even enjoy a damn even, yeah, salacious news like, story anymore without trying yeah. to figure out the 18 different angles. Yeah, it, it's exactly right, because look, it sounds like a bad injury. He broke his tibula, his tibia, his fibula, and... And I can't, I've seen different reports about just how bad his ankle was injured. Yeah. Maybe I've been spoiled by the Alex Smith stories of the world or various other guys over the last, Paul George, over the last decade or so. Whenever somebody has a traumatic lower leg injury now, I don't really, it doesn't really move the meter for me because I just assume they'll be back. And the the biggest barrier (laughs) that Tiger Woods has in this instance is that he's 45 years old, more than the specific injury itself. Yeah, it's 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 golf is a strange one too because the mechanics are obviously it's all about finesse and the in the finer mechanics, you know. So even though he might be able to come back, and it's not going to be overly significant that he couldn't you know train or continue playing, it's just you never know what you know every little thing can can throw the game off. I mean, I don't know. I'm not worried I, well, that he's not going to be competitive. I feel so cynical now because this is just like you said, whether it's a meta, what did you call it? A meta dive? I don't even know what that means, but yeah, I assume that. Yeah, that's that's my classic saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, okay, yeah, real quick, real quick. Let me know. Uh, explain this to me like I don't actually know the answer because I totally do. Um, right. What, what does it actually mean whenever they say meta anything? I get very Well, it's yeah, that. it's like it's a it's an examination of itself. Okay. Okay. So if something's very meta, that means like, okay, that's your, uh, like, if you do a meta analysis, you're evaluating yourself. Well, it's like the reflection of itself. So it's like, you know, we've gotten to the point where in culture, almost everything now that hits the zeitgeist becomes meta within hours, it feels like, because, because it's like when people are saying fake news, Yeah, you know, it's already become, it has so many meanings now layered on top of each other because the culture gets a hold of it. So you can't even, you can't even have a term without all of a sudden like disagreement and analysis over what the actual term means. Or like someone saying it ironically, but are they saying ironically? I don't Uh know if they are. And now when I say it, is it being misinterpreted? So it's kind of like you're watching this news with Tiger and it's already, I mean, it took I don't know what 30 minutes for CNN to start running past clips of prior incidents of Tiger. So it's already coloring what you're watching in the moment. Right, right. Thinking, okay, he probably cheated on Elon again. So I feel cynical on three fronts. One is that my immediate thought was, okay, where substance is involved. Two was, you know what, honestly, it's a broken leg at this point until I hear otherwise, but I feel kind of, I feel kind of like a D bag because I feel like I've been through these discussions. I mean, Nick right. Wright, who I love and is a former coworker of mine. I saw one yeah. of his books on social media this morning was, I can't believe that this, I might never watch Tiger Woods play golf again. I feel like I've seen that headline like five times out of various people in the last 10 years. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pump my brakes and wait and see as, as Tiger should have done on that on-ramp or off-ramp, yeah. pump my yeah. brakes and wait and see what happens. And then the third, uh, the third way I feel cynical is in that I distrust people who use the word meta. I don't know. Oh, the other one. <laughs> Just like an innate distrust. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. Again, explain it to me like I don't actually know exactly what this always means. Yeah. Tell okay. me if I'm right or wrong here. When somebody says something's beta, like is there like a beta version of something? Is that like the experimental version? Like we're going to... No. What, no. What's beta well, mean? 
Well, it's all about the context, right? So I I'm not talking about like, oh, you're a beta male. I'm talking about beta, like when somebody says, okay, that's the beta version or whatever. What's that? Oh, well, then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, but how often does that come up? I don't, I see it. I see it. And I kind of am like, oh, yeah, of course I know what that means. Like in all, in all your highbrow investor meetings. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel like I said, prospectus I, on a well, new I, software I, application. And you're like, that's, that's so beta. I'm, I'm like, when I'm reading one of those the, the web, sites like vice or something i don't know the a beta de- okay a beta <laughs> a beta is like, a how you, like how you emphasize sites separate from web I, I can tell how you're uh i can tell you that you're you're kind of uh you're, you're treading water on this because you don't know the actual definition either <laughs> that's exactly i'm i'm stalling by time by time google beta, my web, my web beta is a measure of the volatility of a security or portfolio so that's different that's beta in finance Beta is the measure of risk potential. Am I been completely getting this wrong all the time? Okay, I, I just don't use it very often, which makes me feel like I'm I'm not really uh, I'm not doing the right thing. All right, we're gonna have to return more. to that. I'll, I'll, I'll revisit that later. Yeah, circle back. Are you messing with your microphone levels? I'm not. Can you oh, hear okay. something? I thought I could. So okay, so Tiger Woods, we're gonna because you have you have special experience here. You were a surgical sales rep. Mm-hmm. For, it was. Yeah. for a very successful company once. Yeah. When, when you see the description of the injury, what does that sound like to you? Does that sound like you would have been able to make a lot of money off of this? You would have been selling all kinds of pins and needles and whatnot? Probably not. You don't really make a ton of money on the on the on a lot of the trauma stuff. I mean, if it's horrific, don't get me wrong. What you do know, you the more the most you put money in. on? You know, a lot of the oncology and total joint replacement yeah stuff, you tend to do better but okay. you know now everything is tends to be contract pricing and you have consultants that came in and drove down the margins so you know oh, really you know just reaching in my pockets man they said surgeons placed a rod into the tibia of wood's right leg and they used a combination of screws oh, wow. and pins to stabilize injuries to his foot and ankle he also suffered trauma to the muscle and soft tissue of his right leg Yikes. which required surgeons to release the covering of the muscles to relieve pressure due to swelling oh yeah, that's, that's not com- is that compartment yeah. syndrome when uh, yeah, everything exactly. swells up and you got to cut yep. the fascia to release it. That's yeah. scary stuff. It is scary. Yeah, you can lose your leg. I mean, the it's I I think it's interesting. They put a rod. It's pretty rare that they. I mean, it's not very common. They put a a rod in a tibia like that. Really? The not tibia really. Is, is the tibia the big one? No, little guy. Oh, okay. So well, you mean the big between the tibia and the fibula? Is that what yeah, we're yeah, yeah. It's the bigger one. Yeah. Okay. How do I remember that? What's the mnemonic device for that? Um, well, big rhymes with tibia. Okay. Tibia, fibia. That doesn't quite rhyme with it, but there's an oh, there's well, an was, sound in there. Yeah, it was worth a shot. Okay. Yeah. So one mm-hmm. of the other one of the other news stories that came out today, since we were talking about Alex Smith and his horrific lower leg injury earlier in this episode, was Alex Smith. Alex Smith going all emo in telling GQ, the magazine, about how unwanted he felt by the Washington football team at the beginning of the season. Alex Smith was the comeback player of the year this year. He went through a series of, it was over, was it 20 surgeries to try to correct the the horrific injury he had to his lower leg, which which was caused by J.J. Watt tackling him in a game in Washington a couple of years back. Yeah, Yeah. Um, wasn't dirty or anything. It was just a, a really nasty injury. So he says in this GQ interview, quote, they didn't see it, didn't want me there, didn't want me to be a part of it, didn't want me to be on the team, the roster, didn't want to give me a chance, 
Mind you, it was Ooh. a whole new regime. They came in. I'm like the leftovers, and I'm hurt, and I'm this liability. Heck no, they didn't want me there. At that point, as you can imagine, everything I'd been through, I couldn't have cared less about all that. Whether you like it or not, I'm giving it a go at this point, unquote. This has been taken as Alex Smith being peeved at the <laughs> Washington football team. I, I'm trying to – because this was a written word and I can't hear the tone of his voice, do you think he was just saying it kind of matter-of-factly or do you think he harbors some resentment over all of that? And maybe Alex Smith, who has been – look, he's been shuffled out of Kansas City, then he goes to Washington, and I, it's, it's not Ron Rivera's fault that J.J. Watt crushed his leg into a million pieces, but is he is he peeved or is he just laying it out like it was at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I don't know about resentment. It's hard to say if he's resentful, but it does feel like, you know, when you reiterate it that many times, he's obviously feeling uh, pretty dejected there. Like, a Yeah, when upset, I when I first read the quote, hurt in e- feelings. I read the quote in ESPN and it was a little snippet and I thought, OK, wait a second. Are they are they taken out of this? Con- this is out of context. <laughs> right. So I went to the GQ article and yeah, man. It's I mean, like five like, times. Yeah. That's an enumerated list. There's like right. eight commas in there. <laughs> like they, they, yeah. wanted to, they could have used semicolons. Yeah, they when, you're, when you're having to Google synonyms for useless, it's like, <laughs> I, I get it, man. Didn't see it. Didn't want me there. Didn't want to be a part of it. Didn't want me to be on their team, the roster. Didn't want to give me a chance right there. Yeah. I mean, didn't want to give me a chance. I'm... I'm a little over here in Alex Smith whine about about how he's not given a chance or how he's an underdog. He was yeah, the number one overall I, pick. I like once you're yeah. the number one, that's like Kevin Durant acting like he was an underdog of some sort. It's it's interesting because I mean, you know what this is like, obviously. I mean, it's it's you you've been on those teams and there's the first round picks and there's the guys. So it's all relative to your career experience and how you've been treated from the beginning. Yeah. So when you suddenly aren't, it feels like a world of difference, right? Whereas if you're someone more like me and you're already an offensive lineman, which is not as glorious, some people say you're told to be you're told to be proud of you're told to be proud of how unathletic you are. That's yeah, like exactly. the life I of mean, an offensive yeah. line. No matter how athletic you are as an offensive lineman, people are like, you know, the great thing about you guys is you're you're fat and ugly and you're not that athletic either. It's the best. Right. You're slow and you're just a lunch pail guy. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like well, are you my yeah. dysfunctional uncle? What the hell are you? Yeah. Thank God, I, yeah, thank God I have years of built up resilience from, you know, being called fat my whole life. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think that he clearly is adopting to this new lifestyle of a guy who's not going to be the perennial starter regardless of the situation is and, and you're watching maybe like in real time how he's digesting that or how he did maybe he already has he's that I mean, he you know if you're it. a guy who's who's gotten used to it over time it just sounds like sour grapes he just uh, he and teddy bridgewater are the guys that are annoying me the most right now because teddy bridgewater <laughs> teddy bridgewater scrubbed the panthers from his social media went private because there's yeah. been talk of potentially trading for deshaun watson and i feel like teddy bridgewater is the same way that yeah he came you know, at one point he was everybody thought he was the next phenom. Then he gets drafted in the first round. A lot of people thought he was underdrafted, but then he has this horrific leg injury and he's floated around a little bit, too. But it's not like his performance this last year after he signed a three year deal was, was anything stellar. that should have made anybody feel like, wow, Bridgewater's the next guy. Yeah. And I'm noticing this. I'm noticing this trend. Tell me if you've noticed this this year. Over the last decade, actually. So the decade, it, it, the trend started a decade ago when I think because of Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, and a few other guys, wide receivers stopped being 
the divas the divas they had been notoriously been because before there was a whole lot of whether it was I mean well let's see Des Bryant has been around the last decade but I feel like I feel like there were many fewer diva wide receivers over the last decade but now all of a sudden this year in their place have popped up the quarterbacks because Russell Wilson is whining about stuff publicly Ben Roethlisberger has always been a diva and made a whole big He's a, ben D, Roethlisberger has always gotten dramatic about a lot of things, um, but he's got. And actually, I'd say this year maybe he's actually been a little bit more uh, humble than than typical. But he's still in that category. Aaron right. Rodgers, uh, Rodgers diva like after the season. Deshaun Watson scrubbed the Texans from his social media. Am I missing anybody? Car- oh, uh, Carson Wentz. Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Apparently, yeah, apparently had thought like a that public uh, meltdown. Yeah, nobody's meaner than mean old Doug Peterson, apparently. Can't handle tough coaching from Doug freaking Peterson. I don't know if Peterson's yeah. even sober half the time. Yeah, Carson Wentz turned into the brother from the Royal Tenenbaums during the tennis match. Where he's just like throwing oh, that's his, right. yeah. Yeah, that's he's like right. throwing his his, like, <laughs> his his game sock and his like belongings all across the field and people are just staring at him awkwardly. Luke well, Wilson. He constructs Luke Wilson. Yeah, that was Luke yeah. Wilson, and it was because he was Luke Wilson was upset that his the this the adopted sister that he was in love with had married Bill Murray. Right? That was what. Yeah. Just, uh, that, that was so. What can be? What is Carson Wentz's Bill Murray? Some people have thought that maybe it's just the fact that people in Philadelphia are mean, and Carson Wentz is a country kid and needs to be out in the. <laughs> out in the Midwest, yeah, which I, I was going to say. I, maybe I think just that's the a realization horrible. that the world, his whole life, he's been living a lie. Yeah, like he just realized that the world is a lot larger than he originally thought it was. He actually went into a big city and was just stunned. What my pappy like my told me about the world outside of yeah, he probably exactly. Maybe it's it. like the village. M Night Shyamalan's the village. Like he got outside the village and suddenly his he's just been living this lie. Yeah, you guys, maybe he had like a sexual experience that he wasn't ready for. He met, some, <laughs> met some girl from the did, big city just destroyed and destroyed him utterly. <laughs> some girl from the big city started talking dirty yeah. to him. Like, yeah, he just felt completely violated by like what's really a pretty pedestrian sexual experience. <laughs> she wanted oh me to God, that was that was a lot. And she's just she wanted me to like, do it like Discovery Channel stuff. I can't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a Tuesday. I the, this is my theory about this this thing with quarterbacks becoming more diva-ish. I think that the league in general has gotten more transactional about the way they treat players in general, but also mm-hmm. quarterbacks and that front offices now have gotten a lot more analytical about it. I don't think they're not going to put in four years waiting for a guy to develop. If a guy goes south, they might abandon him a lot quicker. And, yeah. and the one stat that ESPN put out, I think it was Field Yates put out, that was really shocking right after the Wentz trade was that all of the quarterbacks who were drafted in the first round from 2009 to 2016 are now on different teams than the ones that drafted them. Out of 22 draft picks in that time, not a single one of them remains on the team that drafted wow. them. Wow. Is like, that atypical over the prior same span of time? Well, that's a well that's a question I wish I'd asked myself when I was <laughs> when I was shocked by the that I is interesting, but I wonder no, if that's, you know, I, I would imagine, yeah, because for one, I mean, you go through Eli Manning, um, yeah, right. Tom Brady was what, 2001. I mean, if you go from guys from the first part of the decade, I, yeah. there's at least a few of the superstar quarterbacks that are still around. So I would imagine that's atypical. I, I and, think you might be right. That's, that's really interesting. And I hadn't thought about that, that maybe they're just what it really is, 
is some pushback on their having to adjust to how transactional it is for every other player normally. And they're not having to, they've never really had to do that where historically it's like, we've all sat there and just watched guys just struggle year in, year out. And they still just are, it's like, they're the given incumbent regardless. (laughs) And as another player, you're like, that must be great. Yeah. That must just be awesome to have a pass. That must be great. Well, you look at, let's say David Carr. I mean, David Carr, if he had played four years, did he get four years, five years? He had five years. Oh yeah. Of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, Five years to try to develop into a a good starter in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I don't think that happens anymore. That that's just simply not going to happen. And I think with Deshaun Watson put aside all of the drama from the front office, I wonder if part of it with Deshaun Watson, or I, I would imagine this has got to be at least part of it, but he just went four and 12. He looks around the league, looks and sees what happens with quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, even guys like Carson Wentz, who, you know, goes from being an MVP caliber quarterback to now out on his ass and wonders with this roster around me, does it even matter what yeah. happens next year? Like I could go from the toast of the town to just, Uh, you know, being talked about as trash pretty damn quickly if things go south here. And maybe that's maybe that's as simple as it is in some respects. And he certainly doesn't trust that current Texans front office to figure it out or or to get it done. So that a lot of these guys and whether it's Russell Wilson, all these guys, they also look at Aaron Rodgers and see, okay, here's a guy that, you know, realistically, a decade ago, we all thought he was going to win what three, maybe four Super Bowls, right? Definitely. He'll win at least three Super Bowls. But when his team doesn't draft, his team has not drafted a skill position player in the first round, Drew, since they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Yes. <laughs> That's Aaron that Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers stunning. was the last skill position player there. That, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about how spoiled teams are with stellar quarterbacks, just like the Texans have been, really. I mean, really. It's it's kind of been the same story. I mean, in in different ways, but yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's they just where, feel like they can rely on it, and they don't need to really, you know, do the little things. And they get away with it. It's the same thing. What Jeff Van Gundy always said: "Don't ignore in victory what you would address in defeat." And that's that's very very true. And uh, hold on, let me right. see. Gosh, dang it! I'm trying to pull this thing up. My my internet's not working. Um, I I think if you look at the Packers, okay, let's see. Since when was Aaron Rodgers drafted? It was a long time ago. It was like 2008-ish or so. That was the other thing I discovered the other day was the year after Aaron Rodgers was drafted. I had forgotten that the, the Packers went 4-12. and 12. He was drafted in like 2006, I think. He was the year after me, I think. Oh, really? I think so. A.J. Hawk was drafted in 2006. He might have even been in my... I think he was... He might have even been in my class. Oh, okay. What were He's you, old. 2005? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2005, Aaron Rodgers. Since then, they've drafted A.J. Hawk, Justin Harrell, Jordy Nelson. and Jordy, Jordy Nelson. Nelson. He was a second-round pick. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, B.J. Raji. Oh, man. Boy, he's old. Brian Bulaga, Derek Sherrod, Nick Perry, Deton Jones, HaHa Clinton Dix, Demarius Randall, Kenny Clark, a lot of defensive linemen, Kevin Tons. King. Kevin yeah. King was a second rounder, uh, Jair Alexander, cornerback in the first round, Rashawn Gary, and Jordan Love. So Jordan Love, that's right, I forgot, Jordan Love. They drafted a quarterback. So between Aaron Rodgers, it, <laughs> they drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005, 
and then went until 2020 without drafting another offensive skill position player in the first round. And when they finally did it, they traded up to draft the quarterback. Whoa. Like how how perfectly Yikes. symmetrical is that? So I feel like Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of a right to maybe be a more of a Absolutely. diva this year. He's yeah. always been a little bit of a diva because yeah. guys just feel like, okay, I got to scrap and fight for what you know. I, it's 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 so difficult because the the fine line that you have to walk, I'm sure, as a quarterback, especially between being perceived as a diva or someone who's you know non-compliant or combative with the front office or the rest of the team. It's just so thin between having to do that and make sure that you are leveraging your the authority that you have in that position to make sure your team is successful as it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, that's that's hard. That's why I feel, I mean, as an outsider and someone who's not in the Houston market anymore and seeing Deshaun Watson, I have a lot of empathy for that position he's in where he's trying to be a team player. He's trying to do the right thing, not alienate the fans, but also... You know, he's watching a dumpster fire just happen around him at every angle. It's it's not not a good situation. Yeah, and um, and and especially when you're known as a guy that doesn't complain all right. that. So I right. get it. It's uh, but now now I would imagine the powers that be are getting really nervous now that they see all the when you see the quarterbacks getting agitated, you start wondering, oh boy, boy, we're gonna we're gonna lose complete <laughs> control. Yeah, we're gonna lose complete control. All right, we're we're gonna do something now, Drew. I'm going to have an intro for it at some point, mm. but it's my self-loathing, self-help section. So I'm going to do this rapid fire. These are these are 16 uncomfortable acts people try to avoid, but that actually make your life better. Okay. So, so these are things that people avoid, but if you did them, it would make your life better. I want you to tell me whether you do these or not. This is number one. This is by this Brianna Weist on Medium. Worrying about not having a five-year plan. Are you currently worried that you don't have a five-year plan? Yes. Are you really? Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea that any of us know where we will be years down the road is an illusion, a comforting illusion. Yeah, I feel like a, a five-year kind of goalposts or whatever are still very helpful to keep you on track. I, I agree. I mean, only in, only in so far as I've learned that I never had one. So it's good to have one. I think everyone says that the best time to develop a five-year plan is only when you're about to turn 40. Oh, really? Oh, because then you know. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, 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 I no. got you. Yeah. No. I forgot, I forgot yeah. that you're that old. I forgot. That yeah, that I am, man. Yeah. Now, but you do enough five-year plans and it's, I think I was yeah. on maybe my yeah. third or fourth five-year plan when I realized, wow, not a single one of these. I'm on my fourth five-year plan and I'm four <laughs> years into the whole process. So yeah. I, I well, it's especially make- weird when you're, when you're coming out of sports too, right? Because it's yeah. like you just start, you know, later in life. We're not going to make it through all these. So yeah. let me tell you a story about J.J. Watt. And it was when I was talking to Sean Cody in 2012. So this was after J.J. Watt's rookie season. He'd ended up having a really good stretch in the playoffs. He kind of really blossomed at the end of 2011. I'm talking to Sean Cody. And Sean, Cody's, Sean Cody was a nose tackle, a veteran nose tackle for the Texans. Connor Barwin was a veteran defensive lineman or outside linebacker on that team. And Sean said that he and Connor were talking to JJ his rookie year, and JJ showed them 
like his notebook with his five-year plan and how he had it all broken down to how he had everything all set up. And, and Sean said he and Connor kind of looked at each other like, Oh crap, I got to get my shit together. Like right. what's wrong? This kid, this kid's is dialed in. They probably, if I put myself in Sean Cody's position, I probably would have been like, all right, this kid's a little uptight. He's got to loosen up. Yeah. And lo and behold, bam. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Which is not a thing that you really see in, in sports. Well, not in football anyway. Okay, second thing you need to do, spend a whole day by yourself. Have you done that lately? <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that for about 10 years, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Brianna. Sounds yeah, like thanks. Brianna. Yeah, thanks, Brianna. Brianna. I'm lonely. Thanks. <laughs> Brianna, thanks for reminding me that solitude isn't a choice for me. <laughs> Poor Brianna is like, every now and then, you have to tell all your numerous friends to just uh, back off a little. I need me. Take advantage of the pandemic, guys. Be alone. <laughs> yeah, got it. Thanks. Uh, I feel like, okay, doing nothing is number three. I feel that's kind of the same thing. Um, admitting when you're wrong. I think, you, I think you've probably gotten pretty good at that over time in your life, right? Yeah, tons of experience. And you know what I can sense now? I I don't know if I'm any better at admitting when I'm wrong, but now I can now I can tell when I'm definitely wrong and that I'm still fighting. I'm self-aware yes. that I'm still fighting simply out of pride and ego. So like I I'm I'm aware enough to know wow, I'm way in the wrong here and I'm even more in the wrong because I'm still I'm still clinging on to feeling oh, yeah. like my pride is being threatened or yet. Well, because uh, it's that it's a competitive spirit in you too that just yeah. like is just deep in there and it's more about winning than anything else. It's yeah. not even really about the point to begin with. There was that's a, when yeah. I that's when I go meta and realize like, <laughs> yes. boy, but that's not right. That's not right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, letting go of feeling anxious for no reason. How do you know that when it's for no reason? Though? I've That's learned. Uh, I've learned that uh, you got to listen to your body. I've I've learned to recognize just when you're feeling anxiety. A lot of times you walk around and you don't realize you're kind of like stuck. You're stuck in a fight or flight response that's turned halfway on. Yeah, you don't even realize it. You're kind right. of on edge. And I've I've just noticed between whether it's my my temper, my mood my physical like my heart rate or my breathing i can kind of just sense when i'm in that tense mode and i've been doing i, I quit meditating i stopped that and i'm glad i did because now i focus just completely on breathing and it's just it's so much quicker and more effective and i'm starting to understand now too that i think a lot of the benefits for some people I, for the people that are really good at meditating yeah they get all that brain wave activity and everything right but i think for a lot of people the biggest value in meditation, at least in the short term, is just that it makes you control your breathing. Yeah, like the physiological benefits yeah. of just slowing down. Yeah. I, mean, I read a book called Breath by, I want to say it's James Nestor, which is a really good book. A really good book. I highly recommend I'll send that to you. Uh, honoring your coping mechanisms, whatever. Uh, applying, <laughs> your judge <laughs> applying your judgments of other people to yourself. I feel like you and I are both pretty self-hating people. Like we, oh, uh, yeah. No, yeah, that's, yeah. That's not a problem. Don't worry. Don't worry. I, I will absolutely hate on myself as deeply as I hate on you. Oh, this is an interesting one. This is one I struggle with because my entire profession is talking about other people. Having something to talk about other than your opinions about others' lives. Oof. 
Yeah, it's tough when that's like mostly your job. Oh, I think old Brianna kind of really hit, hit the nail on the head here. She says, it is easy to connect over mutual dislike, but it is a toxic practice. Work on talking about books or ideas or travel or anything else you find even mildly interesting. I'm, a, I'm half joking when I say, look, when I'm talking about sports, I'm talking about athletes and everything, but it's obviously yeah. not. It's not me talking about that bitch in accounting that I don't like or something. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brianna. You just summed up like all of Facebook and the problems in the modern age. Pablo is just like finding common ground by disliking other people. Yeah. Everyone's just the, the most common, you know, the, the, the most of what we all have in common, it seems like culturally is just taking a giant shit on everything else. I tried to help you out with this the other day when I tried to get you to like Kim Kardashian and appreciate her for all of her all of her strengths as a business person. I, I think I can still find faults in her specifically. Yeah. Well, she's a celebrity though. So that's a little, there's an old saying. Yeah, fair. I'm sure it's like a Chinese proverb or something, but it's something like <laughs> an old Chinese proverb about Kim it's, K. It's something like, let's see, should I start with the negative part of the pyramid first or the top part of the pyramid? I think I'd say it's at the, at the bottom of the pyramid. It's something like small people talk about people medium people talk about things and then like truly elevated people talk about ideas, mm. something along those lines that you just you know, like in general, you should always be trying to elevate yourself into talking about ideas and larger things than just gossip. idle. Absolutely. Gossip and sort of the, mo- the most surface level anecdote associated with any given piece yeah. of news or yeah, totally. I agree. I feel bad about everything I said about Tiger Woods earlier. And I feel like I was being pretty, you know, I feel for Tiger. Nah, I mean, you know, it's it's better than, you know, running a nonstop memorial montage, even though he's just in the hospital. Feeling healthy shame when you know you've done something wrong? Feeling a healthy amount of shame? Is that what it says? Yeah. Feeling healthy shame. So shame is yeah. a healthy and crucial part of our emotional capacity. Oh, I totally agree. I feel like we're in a shameless shameless era right now i think i think shame is is healthy i'm a believer in that I think a certain amount of shame i guess there's a difference between yeah, the balance what's the uh, there's i read so i read an article about this and i think it was the, sh- the difference between shame and regret or the difference between shame and feeling responsible uh, like there's the the shame tends to be more self-hatred where regret or responsibility or what have you is all right i feel bad about that but I know I'm a good person. I just, I got to be careful because I'm a good person. I got to feel bad about that. Yeah. So you got to direct, direct it into, in, yeah. Direct it into future action. Yeah. You know, instead of just being Catholic, this is, I'll leave it on this one, doing things slowly, but well, I struggle with that. I hurry through a lot of things. Yeah. You know, who's a huge advocate of that. And, and, and I don't even know if it's always on purpose, but it's Joe uh, Rogan. <laughs> Joe is uh, uh, Dave Anderson. Dave Anderson, the former Texas yeah, wide receiver, yeah. who was just on my radio show this morning, by the way. Oh, there you go. Yeah. He, he, he called he was, in because he lives in California and he's got nobody out there to commiserate <laughs> about the Texans. To, no one else to connect with. Yeah. Hey. Oh, hey, guys. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, but he talks about it all the time, how, uh, how you know, uh, slow and steady is fast. Wow. That's interesting because he's a naturally hyper person. So right, I, I, I wonder if he has to tell himself that. Yeah, probably. I wonder is that is that something he's learned over time because he's got a lot of energy, but is he does he have to consciously tell himself to slow down? Well, I think I mean I don't, I don't know this, but I, you can almost tell maybe, you know, if you recall like just watching him play and his approach to running routes and everything else. I mean, he's he was pretty precise. 
Yeah. And so not a lot of wasted movement. And I don't know if he was ever, you know, if, if, if you've ever struggled with, I struggled with this, where a lot of extra movement, like low economy of movement, yeah, like one of the yeah. best coaches I ever had talked about economy of movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could tell he just learned that it's faster if you're just a little slower, but you're not wasting movement and you're very precise, you know, and sometimes he, to go fast, you, you got to go slow. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that it? That's in a movie of some sort. It yeah, feels like a racing movie or something. Sometimes nah. cars is sometimes you got to 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 go left you got to turn right i don't know it's, it's one of those sometimes you can go for, you can go fast somebody somebody email me set that painted someone email me a miscellaneous quote about racing yeah reach out to me on the twitter machine or what have you so okay buddy i feel like we've grown i feel like we've learned i feel like alex smith mm. is not petty or I, I i think he's got a reason he's got a chip on his shoulder and damn it it's a healthy chip on his shoulder and i think the tiger woods honestly to sum up tiger woods I've just seen him come back enough times. I think there's a better than 50% chance that he comes back and plays in a major. I don't know if he wins a major. Ben Hogan got in his really bad car accident when he was 38 years old, and he was messed up bad. And the, me- the medical technology was not nearly the same in 1949. And he came back and won majors. So Tiger Woods, just a couple years removed from winning the Masters, I think there's still a chance. Yeah, he can still definitely beat Ben Hogan. <laughs> Is that what you're... That's a great point. So- <laughs> I'm going to leave it on that. That's awesome. Yeah.